So I've been through a lot this past year since my son's diagnosis. We're gonna look at the stress that I've had to endure and how other parents like me also have to endure the same stress and what it can do not only to your mind, but also to your, your physical body, right? Um, this year has been very hard for me specifically. Just, just not on multiple levels, not just the stress of the appointments and the therapies, but the stress of the meltdowns, the stress of the what if he can't do this, this, or that. Um, finding providers for him, right? Like stress across the whole board. So what does that look like as far as how does it change physically within me? And what can stress, you know, actually do to you? So we'll start it off with you. Um, go ahead and tell everyone what stress is. Stress basically is a state of mind or emotional being that is caused by very demanding circumstances. Okay, right. So it fits It fits the definition. If you have a special needs child or you're a caregiver or a special needs kid, you're definitely under a demanding circumstance, right? That's True. What things, based off of, you know, online research, what can stress cause? Just name some physical things it can cause. Uh, it can cause fatigue. Okay. It can cause headaches. It can cause upset stomachs. It can cause chest pains. It can cause insomnia. It can cause you to have a lower immune system, so you're getting sick more often. It can also cause you to be extremely nervous, grind your teeth. Uh, those are just to name a few. And, and that I have every one of them um, and I have had every one of them so that's the biggest thing about stress I think I can say from just from experience for me is that I got to a point after my son's diagnosis when it all set in when the overwhelming amount of hours of therapy he needed when I figured out how much it was gonna cost to go to these therapies if I could even get providers like they wanted just it, it was just too much right and I got to a point that I felt like was my low was like my rock bottom of potentially one of my most rock bottoms in my life where I got to a point where I didn't realize how much it was eating into me until I started having random panic attacks because at that point it's like fear was just controlling my life and worry was controlling my life to the point of even going in the shower I would get a panic attack and I wasn't even consciously thinking of anything but it's like subconsciously my mind was always always working on this problem it was always working on the next thing for Bentley it was always working on how do I help him progress it was always thinking like that and so when I started having panic attacks even in the comfort of my own shower I knew um, I gotta do something because now we're getting to the point that we can't even live and that's gonna be an issue too right um, so that's kind of where I got to what did you, well I'd say for me the part you know since I'm your sidekick and and taking you guys everywhere the hard part for me when the stress started to develop I was the one with the chest pains yeah uh, the, the anxiety and that worry just like because you hold you hold it all in because you have so much to do that you you don't let it out. You don't, sometimes I wish I could just sit down and cry because you felt like it. But right. it's like I didn't have time. I got to keep going and, and I don't want Benny to see me crying. But I will say that I think my counselor has taught me this. And again, anyone listening, if you know, use the advice of your own counselor. This is just something that was kind of shared for me personally was that me keeping it all in which was what was leading me to these moments of breakdowns 
So, because um, I did the same thing. And I think part of it is that we don't want our kids to see us crying. And I understand that. I don't want to cause him to think of autism as a sad thing. I don't want, you know. So, I learned, though, that when you would get the quiet moments, if you want to cry, just cry. Right? Because me pushing it down and pushing it down, one day it just exploded. So, that's just advice I would give. I think we do that very often as parents. We try to push down our emotions for the sake of our kids. And I, we do it in a moment to protect them. But don't forget yourself. Later on, when you revisit it or go talk to someone you trust or give someone a call, find those few moments of separation because that's also like self-care. You need that so that you don't just explode one day full of all this emotion, which I did. Well, aside from just exploding, what are some other things that the stress caused you to do? What, what changes did you notice in your life that you were doing because of stress? I, I think for me, I had a lot. Well, I, um, I think beyond the point that um, the anxiety, you know, it will, I'm sorry. So what other symptoms did it cause for me, right? Um, besides the panic attacks, um, obviously the anxiety and fear, and I would get that anywhere. Um, and it would just come on suddenly, like something that has nothing to do with anything. And then all of a sudden you're in such great fear. Um, problem sleeping, things like that. I also had physical stuff. Mine turns physical. So vertigo, dizziness, things like that. And a lot of that comes from when I get stressed, I tense up my shoulders, I tense up my neck, I tense my jaw, I clench my jaw. I definitely do that. And it gets to a point where I'm clenching so hard and I don't do it while I notice that I literally get dizzy or I feel lightheaded. Um, so having bouts of that, migraines, that was a big thing for me. I have a history of migraines, but not nothing like I had with this, where I would just get excruciating pain in my head, like tension headaches, and it would and it would put me out because I would end up having to take migraine medicine to get it. So that kind of happened um, part on top of the not sleeping well, on top of the tension and the vertigo and spasms from the tension. You know, your muscles can only hold tight for so long, then they spasm and it's painful. I had that kind of happen to me. Well, I know, you know, knowing you like I do, I know some of the other things that kind of developed in your, that I've seen in you, is the constant worried about things. You never would let yourself relax. It was always, I have to plan ahead. You know, I want to know what's going to happen next. I want to know, you know, in case this doesn't work, this is plan B, this is plan C. Mm -hmm. And also, for a moment there, attitude. You know, your negative thinking? Yeah, so I think in the beginning when you get the diagnosis, at least for me, um, I wasn't very well educated on autism at that point. And I looked at it and I looked at all the what-ifs that he wouldn't be able to do and I kind of got depressed about it. Um, and I thought negatively. And not negative about Bentley, but just negative about... Am I doing all I can do? I could be doing more. I could be doing this. I could be doing that. And, and none of this stuff was actually true because I was already doing a lot. But I beat myself up over the things that I didn't do or I couldn't do or even just getting on to him, right? Are you being too hard? Are you being too easy? Like, what am I doing? So, yeah, I got to a point where you get in this rut, this negative rut. And then when you, when you keep going to appointments and they keep telling you everything that's wrong and they're showing you charts of, 
how much younger he is developmentally between his age and like it's hard it's just like a punch to the gut each time and so that kind of happened to me and that's where I got into that negative rut I got so tired of going places and them telling me the worst news possible and it's like can we can we celebrate anything and I even had therapists where I would go and um tell them a celebration a win and they would say oh he should have did that at so-and-so months well why can't we celebrate it now right so that's why I got into that negative thinking habit okay so if you're getting a pattern of negative thinking it's a hard pattern to break mm -hmm. how did you begin changing that thought process around um so I began by positive affirmations which sounds silly and you feel silly at first saying them because you don't believe them. That's why you're saying them, right? And I would look myself in the mirror and I would say these things. That's where I kind of began. And then I decided I was just going to focus more on self-care. Because I didn't. I didn't focus any on self-care. I didn't have a moment to breathe. And what that looks like is after he's asleep. Unfortunately. I mean, it would be great for me to go somewhere when he's awake. Um, or get a break on a weekend or something. But that's just not feasible with our life. So once he goes to sleep, I turned it into doing things that would be helpful for me um self-guided meditation i so so let me just start there i do a self-guided meditation every morning and i've done it for months and months and months and it kind of just wires my brain as soon as i get up to think positively okay and and to have a focus and to make me think a little bit and be mindful um so i start there and then after he goes to sleep i there's different things that you could do. There's yoga nindra. There's again more meditation. There is Epsom salt baths. There's, um, I tried to get back into playing the piano, which, you know, I did when I was younger. So finding hobbies and things like that. It's about just doing the little things for you where your mind gets off of the situation. And that's what I did. And I turned off, like, after he goes to sleep, which I'm, I'm blessed because he goes to sleep pretty early, I used to just have tv on and look you know just really not even do much of anything just a waste of my time um not even watching tv but just i don't even know like what did i actually accomplish now i don't do that i keep it off i do these self-care things different things different nights and then i go to bed early a good sleep routine is also helpful <laughs> i go to bed early i put on my sound music and i go to bed um so it's taking out that simulation I had before and then fulfilling it with self-care habits. What other self-care things do you think you do? What role do you think like your diet, diet nutrition, where do you see that in self-care? Um, so I think you have to keep your diet, your, your diet does affect you, right? So the things that you eat can affect how we feel, right? So if you're nourishing your body more, um, you're going to probably have a better day or be more, you know, or at least feel better in your day. I know for me, I struggle a lot with protein. <laughs> so I learned that. So you'll find me with protein bars or protein shakes because I feel like I can never get enough protein. Well, I know my problem when I get stressed is carbs. I want to eat carbs or I want to eat sweets. Yeah. You know, that's the go-to. And what you get, or when you're tired, then you get that instant sugar rush. But right. then you crash right back down, and then right. you're back where you started from, more miserable than probably where you started. Right. So I know that part, controlling actually what you're putting in there, you know, your fruit, your vegetables, that kind of thing. Well, and see, there's the opposite, because sometimes, well, you kind of, sometimes when you're, you know, depressed, like I dealt with depression around this, 
um, you want to eat more. You have to two words. Some people don't want to eat, which I'm like that when I'm anxious. I don't really want to eat. And then when I'm feeling depressed, I want to eat everything in sight, right? So you have to find that balance. You have to kind of find that control. Like I said, for me, protein bars are a big thing. Um, energy drinks. I don't mean like uh, Red Bulls or anything like that, but more like... Um, vitamin drinks like vitamin drinks keeping my electrolytes up keeping my vitamins good making sure i'm taking my supplements that's a big thing too to help keep you more balanced make sure you're taking your supplements um and all of that kind of affected my diet and health when well, i think too like the like you kind of lean to is the big thing and when your hobbies is finding something you enjoy to do it can be something as simple as reading a book right you know it can be jogging yeah, I mean, whatever it is that you really enjoy, find you know, find that so you can release some of the, the tension that you've had throughout the day. Right. You have to find something that you can be mindful in. What I think would think exercise would play a role in this too. I mean, that would be an easy way to relieve some stress, at least for some people. I went into that a little bit after, you know, surrounding his diagnosis. I went into that a little bit. Um, and it is it's anything that you can be mindful so you can take your mind and just focus on what you're doing any form of hobby that you can do that would be something to implicate in your self-care routine and I think like the biggest thing that I would want for this whole podcast just to come across to people like don't feel selfish by partaking in self-care I think as parents and caregivers we feel selfish if we're doing something or if we're like, man, he, I have had a rough day. He's been rough today. I need to do this. And then you do it and then you feel guilty. Like, oh my goodness, I took this time for me. I should have been doing this with him. I should have, you know, we should have did this together. I've been there. I've done that. But if you want to be the best you, then you have to also take care of you. And that's something I've learned. I just took care of him and I didn't take care of me. And because I didn't take care of me, I broke. And now I'm still rebuilding myself. But now I'm in healthier habits where once he's asleep, I do take care of me. And that's helping me be the best me for him tomorrow. So it's refreshing yourself to do these things. So don't ever do it and say, man, I'm selfish. I feel guilty. You're going to get it. Especially in the beginning. It's natural. It's normal. But just know that's not true. You're not being selfish. You're, you are putting the work into you because if you do not, you can't be the best parent slash caregiver for that child. You just can't be. You have to have a way to release it. Well, I think also some of the thing that when it comes to stress and that way too is letting not things bother you. You know, if someone makes a comment and you stew all day long over it, you know, it's kind of letting things go. And like you always tell me, pick your battles. What do you want? What do you want to be? stuck with or what do you want right so i think with stress you're i know at least for me i'm more easily agitated or irritated by little things that people do and in the beginning it was very much i would say something but you learn um is it really worth it right like pick your battles is it something i want to fight about is it something i don't want to and a lot of things you learn in these little things in life whether it be from your friends or your family they can just roll off your back and it's probably going to be a lot easier for you you kind of have to realize that you know you're just agitated in that moment because you are so stressed out you're so overwhelmed what i think also another important thing in, in this part is find a friend you know go for a cup of coffee just get away if, if it's possible 
you yeah. know, half hour here, half hour there, or 10 minutes even. Just call someone up and say, you know, just talk about something. If you, you know, if this friend is someone that you trust that you can unload a little bit, just, it helps a lot. Right. So, yeah, I would, that's, I would agree. Um, but sometimes you can't get out, and I have that problem. So, um, when you can't get out, you can still phone a friend. I phone my grandma. <laughs> And, Nothing wrong with phoning grandma. <laughs> and I talk to her about all my fears and doubts and worries, and she gives me honest feedback, and uh, she just listens, right? So, yeah, definitely reach out to people or find people in a community like you that will understand. Well, I think part of the problem, too, with special needs parents is you tend to isolate. You know, you find yourself, you're so busy, you know, and, and you don't want to have to deal with, some of the criticisms you get from outside about, you know, your child's behavior or things that right. are going to... So you think, you think, well, heck with that. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm just going to stay home. You have to find your tribe. Um, I'm not going to lie and say I don't isolate. And I'm not going to lie and say that I have this big tribe of people. I have a tribe. It's not huge, but it's still my tribe, right? Um, yeah, you, it's hard not to isolate because... People, the world doesn't understand your child and you get thrown judgments and eye rolls and comments and it's just so upsetting and you don't want them around that that you do isolate right but that shouldn't be the answer I think that's one of the reasons we've even started this that was something I went through and it was like okay but my answer shouldn't be he can't do what other people can do because of his condition his diagnosis I'm not gonna let that be the answer I'm not gonna let him not live his life that he should be able to live. that was the whole purpose of why we wanted to start this so yes isolation happens it's easy to do i've done it um it's for good reason because the world just doesn't understand your child and it's easier just to isolate than to explain to every person but i always look at it i try to look at it as do i want my son to miss out on experiences because I'm afraid to go out if he has a, like a meltdown or I'm afraid to explain to this person or I might get a stare and the answer is no that's right he has a right to enjoy just like any neurotypical child would he has a right to go to the concert that we bought tickets to just like anyone else would uh, he is that right and so that's where it's that mindset of just putting on the armor at home and realizing you're gonna get stares you're gonna get looks you might get comments but you know what okay, they're going to fall off my back. I'm going to have a great time with my son. And that's how I kind of changed. You did, because I know at first when we, like I said, the idea for the for this nonprofit came along from a negative experience, and it mm -hmm. was very hurtful. And then from seeing from where you come from that point to where you are now, it's, it's kind of like, I don't want to say who cares what they said, because you do care, you still right. care. Yeah, you care. But it's just like, I'm not going to let it affect my life like this. So... I think it's more I'm not going to let it affect his, his life, life like this. Yeah. I'm not going to continue to shelter him his whole life and take away his ability to live. Because, take away his joy. Right, because under other people don't know how to handle it. Yeah. it's He's doing nothing wrong. He's just being himself. Maybe the world needs to change a little bit and realize what they're doing to these children. That's true. And Because then, then as they're wrapping this up, because like, this is all, all these things. Mm-hmm. Can cause stress. All these things can cause your life to be yeah. overwhelming, you know. So I think the most important thing I took away from our conversation is the importance of self-care. 
yes, I think the biggest takeaway from this whole conversation is it's important to do self-care. Don't feel guilty about it. Being the best you will be the best, make you the best parent or caregiver, okay? Those are connected. You have to take care of you in order to take care of that. I learned that the hard way. I'm still building myself up. So yeah, that's that's the biggest thing. And then the other biggest thing for me would be like, even when it feels overwhelming, and, and it will, reach out to people. Don't isolate, get a counselor, go talk to a mental health professional, call your friends up. Re don't just isolate in it. There are people who do care, you just have to find your tribe. So that's the thing too that for people to keep in mind. And lastly is the perspective of the diagnosis isn't going away. So yes, we isolate because it's easy at first and it's easier than explaining. But when I got to the point where I accepted and I realized that I'm not going to live his entire life this way, it's not fair to him, then I really could start living with him, right? Like going out and doing these things and him enjoying it. So I think getting to that same mindset of acceptance, people are going to say things. It's hurtful. It's going to always happen, unfortunately. That doesn't mean that you have to shelter them forever from experiences, right? Let them be a kid. Let them enjoy the things that they would enjoy. So getting into that mindset that I'm just going to so conquer the world with them. We're going to take on the world together, buddy. That's my mindset that I have now. And I think that's something that try to get into that same mindset with your child. You'll be surprised there's more people out there that actually do care about your child and that will interact positively with your child. I know it's hard because you get around all the negativity and the looks, been there, done that, and I assume everybody's like that. That's not necessarily true. Not everyone is like that. So remain positive that the world will accept your child, even when it feels like you can't accept that. Well, that sounds good. Good advice. Okay, we're going to wrap it up for this evening. Um, we hope we shed some light on stress and things that you can do to alleviate it. But until next time, good night, everybody. Bye.